Welcome to Sisters Usaga, a sci-fi fantasy recap podcast. I'm MK. And I'm Libby. We're two sisters who love to discuss fantasy and sci-fi stories that transport us to worlds more magical than our own. We've noticed that the female perspective is often missing in the sci-fi and fantasy genres, both in the development process and in the fandom discourse. So we're going to examine both old and new epics through feminist colored glasses. This may lead to thirsting after unsuspecting characters with six-packs, or throwing shade at sexist tropes that should have long ago been pushed through the moon door. We'll be dissecting all aspects of the films and shows we cover, so be warned, there are spoilers on the road ahead. In this episode of Sisters Who Saga, we continue our deep dive into the epics and Amazon Prime video series Britannia. Today we are covering Season 3, Episode 2. But first, let's use our time turner to go back in time and correct the mistakes that we made in the last episode. Okay. I want to start with something that I think everyone is waiting for. All of our fans. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, at the end of the episode, you said, can you please do a New Zealand accent? And Mm -hmm. I complied. Mm -hmm. And in my mind, I was doing an Australian accent and it kind of just didn't correct you. You know, I didn't want to like hurt your ego or anything. Mm -hmm. But I was doing an Australian accent. I just want all of our Australian, Australian fans to know that I knew what I was doing. That's all. Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, I'm glad you were able to mm-hmm. to correct really that. address that. Yeah. Uh, one correction I wanted to make, and it's not really a correction; it's just a clarification, an um, update, an update. I did look up shall I be mother as a phrase, and I feel like as Anglophiles, you and I should have already known this. Uh, I did feel kind of stupid. Yeah, it's embarrassing. But um, shall I be mother is like a phrase from British culture um, from back in the day, and it was used when tea was being served. And so whoever thought that they would be the one who would serve the tea would say, shall I be mother? And then they would be the one to, you know, pour tea into the cups and distribute everything for the tea so you know the more you know the more you know thought that was kind of a funny little line for them to use yeah for sure all right so let's dive into the recap for this episode uh it opens on the morning after this roman orgy that has happened um sorry vow renewal party um, (laughs) for Aulis and Hempel where they uh, in fact ate Vetus Mm -hmm. Um, brutal rip R.I.P. Aulis wakes up and it's kind of funny it's very like reminiscent of like a frat party where like the first (laughs) person wakes up and it's just like everyone's naked lying around I think he like gets sick into his helmet he like sees random people tied up in chains did you not say that he wakes up in like just a horde of naked bodies. Yeah, it's, that's what I'm saying. It was okay. an orgy. He was like laying yeah. in, a, in just like a pile of bodies. Hempel was there. Blaine, Blaine was there. He's kind of serving the aftermath of the party and he doesn't really seem all that thrilled. You know, he seems no. hungover. He seems just... I mean, I'm sure he had fun in the moment. But sure. after the kind of musical in- intro, we open with former Queen Antidia who I, you know, wasn't really expecting to see again, to be perfectly honest. You know, when she was in the, she was being sold, like, yes. at the, in season two, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was like, we haven't seen the last of her. Because when I found out she was alive and she was being sold, I was like, she she's coming has back. to come back if yeah. we know she's alive out there somewhere. 
Yep. Revenge. Revenge is a... <laughs> Revenge keeps her alive. Yep. The gods are dead. That's like her favorite She's thing good. to say. I mean, I love her. But she is a slave now for some strange family, like really very weird family that bought her at that market. Can I go back a second? Sure. And say that in my notes I have how do I somehow feel like these other people are making Alice seem not so bad. Mm. And I said that he liked Vetus and he seemed sad that they ate him. Yeah. Like he got up in that morning and he like walked over to Vetus and he was like, damn, I liked that guy. Basically, yeah. And I was like, wait, is Alice not really that bad anymore? It's... Mm, he is. I know, he, but it's, it's weird compared because, to Hempel, he's not. Yeah, like compared yeah. to these other people, he doesn't seem as bad. That's all. Yeah. So she's sitting at the bottom of a well. There's this man who's asking her to apologize to someone, assuming it's like one of the other brothers of the family. And he calls her your majesty. And she kind of like perks up at like the sound of that. He helps her out of the well, cleans her off. And then you can tell she kind of thinks that like she might have an opening with this guy because he's like calling her your majesty. And he seems sympathetic towards her. So... Then they're back in, like, their house, and she's serving them a meal. They're telling, like, weird stories. I don't even know the point of, like, these weird stories that they're telling. But they're obviously not smart. I just remember that they have their dead mother's body at the table, and they talk to her like she's alive. They certainly do. They just come across as, like... They're just dumb and weird and inbred. People who live like, kind of like hicks, but what's the version of that in England? I don't know. I don't know. It's the same thing. Um, who just like aren't intelligent and who are filthy. Yeah, definitely. And Tidia is kind of laughing at one of the stories that the brother's telling. He thinks he saw a dragon and it, and he said that it blew fire at him, I guess. And so she laughed and then she kind of gets beat up by them and, but then she's kind of begging for forgiveness and she manages to escape harm from them. But they're clearly not treating her well. And meanwhile, they're talking to the skeleton sitting at the table, which is their dead mother. Super yep. creepy. And they're feeding her, I think. At least at some point they do. Cut to Alice. Alice's villa. They're disposing of Vetus's remains. And Willa, the druid witch, is there kind of creeping around. Blaine calls her to see Hempel who then asks her to tell her about the girl, quote-unquote, the girl. And the girl, Kate... The girl with the attitude problem. For sure. (laughs) The chosen one. Then it cuts to Kate, who's in the woods by a stream. She's just run away from the Druid camp after, like, slicing the Varen's neck. She's kind of washing her face and getting her wits about her. She's, like... It seems like she's trying to, like wash off the ruins that are on her forehead that were like her name or whatever she like put sand on it Mm -hmm. um and she's having flashbacks to what had just happened in the tent with the baron there's an eagle hanging around i don't know if that's symbolic of anything but she like harka was like he like represented the eagle right oh or did love represent the eagle because love had like an eagle tattoo um but remember harka also like when she had the vision of him, he looked like an eagle. He was wearing, like, feathers or something. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yep, you're right. 
So then we're back at the druid camp and people are kind of losing their mind because the Baron is dying, but it appears he is still alive. So he's soaking soaking in this big bath and all of his followers are like kind of dancing and doing ceremonies to try to heal him. And they talk about how the fever has worsened and it's not looking good for your boyfriend, MK. He's just <laughs> he's really not doing well. I'm so sorry. Not my boyfriend. <laughs> we're not official. Uh, we're back with Alice, and he's very upset at Hempel, yelling at her about killing his right-hand man, uh, Vetus. She kind of yells right back at him, calls him a flabby, floppy failure. And then she shares some intel that she got from Willa that Kate had a sister, Islaine, who is dead, but if the sister asks her to do something, she'll do it. So Hempel basically wants Alice to go to the underworld and speak to her sister, and he agrees to do that, but he asks her to do several things for him. Uh, she do- He doesn't want her to eat anyone anymore. No more <laughs> cannibalism. That's a tall ask. <laughs> She's like, okay, like for now. Ugh, you know. You're no fun. I can't guarantee forever, but... Um, and then he said, no more secrets, and he kicks out Blaine. He doesn't want Blaine there anymore. <laughs> and Blaine's like, fine, but you weren't so fussy last night. <laughs> um, he also tells Hempel to leave Amina alone, which is interesting. He's very, like, loyal to her and trusts Amina. It's not a great choice, but... It's an interesting choice, because you would think he would be smarter, but yeah. it, like it's like at the end of the day he's a man yeah i guess you know it's like he's like into amina right and he's like <laughs> he like i think he thinks that she's like good and like mm. he likes that about her or something it's like these other people are like so evil sure and she's not like quite that bad extreme and he's like Maybe he thinks he's better if he's like that's like in love with her or something. I don't really Maybe. know, but I don't quite get it. But he's into her, I guess. He is. I don't know. Speaking of Amina, she's kind of wa- walking around and runs into Blaine, our friend Blaine, and he tells her that Hempel is onto her. He tells her that if her plan is going to work, she needs to work harder at it and hurry up because her time is running out. Basically, he's kind of just saying that she's dumb and not doing a good job of hiding her plan. Like, that, that she's not very smart. Sure. She walks away, and he says, nice bum, yummy bum. <laughs> Which means she's probably next on the menu. You know what I mean? <laughs> We're back with the slave queen, Antidia. Um, the brother who pities her is asking her all these questions about being queen, and if she was married, what happened to her husband. He's basically like implying that he wants to be her king. She was basically saying, like, her next husband would be a king with lots of horses and wouldn't have to eat weasel stew anymore. Yeah. She's trying to be like, you can be my next husband. Mm -hmm. Just set me free. Basically, yeah. (laughs) It's smart. Then we're back to the Druid camp. Um, They're, like, dancing in the rain. There's a storm. It's nighttime. They're trying to save the Varen. Quant and Divis are discussing how... The Varen is prophesied to live for a few more years. And then Phelan asks if the prophecy also says that the Chosen One is supposed to slit his throat and head for the hills. 
and no answer from Divis, but I think obviously not. That was not part of the plan, um, or Varen wouldn't have, wouldn't have uh, allowed it. Meanwhile, Kate stumbles upon a Roman road building camp with a like grand arch and like cobblestone road. It's kind of like bizarre to see it kind of appear in the middle of a field. She's kind of in awe of it and just walking around. The sun is setting and it's like engulfed in this golden light and people are intense selling things and talking. It's kind of like this idyllic moment and she tries to buy some shoes but doesn't have any coins. So she figures out how to get some money using her druid magic. I said I don't like this version of Kate, as has been clear. Mm. But, like, humiliating people for money, basically. I don't know. I mean, like, I don't care about those people. I just, like, I, I didn't think it was, like, a good look necessarily. Like, was necessary. I think she just should have given them some of the money. Yeah, that would have been fair, I guess. Yeah. Um, back at Alice's villa, he has to pick a new perfectus, so he picks a guy named Centurion Viticus. He's literally just doing like eeny, meeny, miny, mo. I don't, so yeah, <laughs> and pick someone. Um, he tells his men that Vetus has been summoned back to Rome, and they're just like, okay. Um, I, I thought he seemed, I thought that guy that he chose didn't really believe it. Like, he seemed a little nervous, but then he ended up being like, okay, whatever. Yeah. But like, at first, I think he was like, why do your perfectuses keep disappearing? Then he's like, oh, okay, whatever. I mean, he doesn't really have a choice. He's not going to be like, no, I don't want to be your perfectus. Yeah. But I did note that he looked rather meaty, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> back to Kate. She's like full on putting. shaming. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just mean for like future feasts. Yeah. <laughs> Kate is putting on, like, full-on performing. It's basically a, a circus now at this camp that she's at, and she's accepting coins to hypnotize a man to fall in love with a chicken. It's pretty funny. People love it, she, but she doesn't give the man or the chicken any of the coins she makes. <laughs> Divis and Anya have a heart-to-heart back at the, the Druid camp about how everyone blames him for losing Kate and training her to only have her betray them. Um, And she's wondering if he knows if she's going to come back or if she's going to abandon them. Like if Divis has any real insight since he actually knows Kate the best. And he doesn't really answer. I think he's still thinking about it. (laughs) He's not sure. Then it flashes back to the circus performer, Kate, who's now walking across hot coals for a crowd on... And while she's walking on the coals, she has a vision and a spear with a tip that's on fire impales her in her chest and she pulls it out, looks at it, mortified. She's clearly like terrified, Mm -hmm. but it's just a vision and no one else sees it. And she kind of walks off the coals and is like traumatized by it. As she's reliving her vision, the chicken man comes up and is like, give me my money, (laughs) you know? Yeah. And then Lucius comes up. Some would say fair. For sure. (laughs) Lucius suddenly appears and is, like, trying to rescue her. And she doesn't need rescuing. And she, like, gets out her knife and tells Chicken Man to scram. For sure. And Lucius and her kind of connect, which is an interesting, like, 
situation. He kind of tells her about his past jobs and then says that he was a salt farmer, which I don't know if that was true or not, or if he just knew that her father was a salt farmer. He definitely wasn't. Okay. And that gets her to open up. She kind of tells him this bullshit story, and he's like, I don't believe you. He's like, I've I've talked to a lot of people, and so I know when people are lying, and, like, you're lying. None of that was true. Yeah. And she's like, okay, I'll have to work on that. (laughs) Then he tells her all about the story of, like, Jesus on the cross, basically, and how Mm -hmm. he was a Roman soldier, and he basically was going to put this – messiah quote unquote out of his misery um as he was being crucified and stabbed him with a spear but then when he stabbed him it actually felt like he was stabbing his own self Mm -hmm. and then he said he looked up at the man and there was glowing light all around him and then when he got pissed for three days like got drunk for three days and then he was walking around the market and saw the same man that he had killed Mm -hmm. so and he looked in my eyes and yeah, he knew he knew me. who I was. Yeah. And then Kate well, Kate's like really emotional by this story, which about the story, which is weird to me. Did you notice that? I don't remember that. She like has kind of teary eyes, which I'm like hmm. starting to believe your theory about her becoming like mm the figurehead for Christianity or something like this would be the time where she's like learning about this story and Mm -hmm. getting all weepy about it. But anyways, that at that time she also realizes that he was the Roman soldier who blinded her father. So she runs away from him and despite him trying to get her to stay. And he says, you can't escape this. None of us can. Yeah. I feel like Lucius went in there with like a plan of like, I, cause he, he like doesn't he say like he has something he needs to tell her yeah he had this he has this plan that he's gonna tell her something i don't know what it is but he fails like he loses her and Mm -hmm. he doesn't get to do what he's supposed to do and i was like lucius like you you done fucked up right you you didn't do that well try harder yeah so i know they probably just don't want us to know what he wants her to know yet but i was like lucius like be better right you know that's yeah, all. it wasn't a very fruitful encounter. Mm-mm. Amina, Hempel, and Alice convene to chat about the other night, quote unquote, aka the whole orgy and the. I have in quotes about the other night. <laughs> I don't know if he actually says that, but that's like I the vibe. vibe. Yeah. <laughs> so, can we talk? So, the cannibalism and the orgy. Yeah. Are um, you cool or how what are, are you, you doing? Wanna... Yeah. She's like, I loved every minute of that party, and let's do it again. It's amazing. Tell me everything about Laka. <laughs> and Alice is like, oh. Alice is like, okay. Yay. He's but like confused, but he's also like happy. He's glad, but it's like Amina smells desperate. It's like desperation. I don't believe her for a second. Well, no. You? She's just like, she's just trying very hard to get in his good graces, basically. Yeah. Then we're back at the weird inbred family. <laughs> it, um, and Tidia is chained up, but finds a flower of some kind. It's like a moon tree or moon something. Trees. Moon she trees convinces, equals bad. Yeah. Did you know that? No idea. Yeah. She tells her main dude that it's a special herb that he can put in the weasel stew to make it taste like swan stew. Fit for a king. 
basically he puts it in there and they all pass out at dinner they like it's really disgusting and i'm happy to totally breeze over this entire scene but she basically they pass out from this uh this herb that she convinces him to put into their soup mm-hmm. and then she burns the house down i have like her one of her monologues written down and i really want to read it go for it so she has all of them in the house and mm-hmm. she's pouring like gasoline on the house and she's like good and they're like <laughs> shitting themselves and throwing up and yeah, like having reaction yeah it's so but gross. i don't get it because she gave them the moon trees and i assumed that that just killed them but really just made them pass out for a while and then they woke up again then she burned them yeah so i wonder if it's not it doesn't really kill you or maybe they didn't take enough to kill maybe i don't know but she says good citizens of this benighted vale i am antidia queen of the regni i was born sweet and cheerful but then the gods and all their wisdom robbed me of my only son Hmm. and i changed i became a vengeful cunning merciless black-hearted bitch but fear not, you people will only feel the faintest flicker of my wrath, because I'm saving it up, because in these isles, there lives another upon whom I seek true vengeance. Mm-hmm. Can you hear me, Alice Platius? I'm, I'm coming, coming for, for you. <laughs> I loved all of her little, like, <laughs> paragraphs. Mm-hmm. She does another one that I didn't write down that's, like, basically, like, insinuates that she was, like, like molested by her uncle oh but it was it was a story i assumed it was her life do you not remember that yeah but i i don't know it was like i went to see my someone who was a witch and she taught me about moon trees and yeah all of this stuff sure so she had like some interesting like what are they called monologues yeah monologues she did it was just hard for me to pay attention because all that other gross stuff was happening. So I was eager to move on. Sure. Past it. Um, I was like, bye-bye, weirdos. Never see you again. Thanks. Yeah, she. They were the worst. But they only got a mere flicker of her wrath. Sure. Alice Platius is... It's kind of like line up, you know? Like, there's a long line of people who want to see Alice dead. So it's just like, get in line, you know? Yeah. Join the club. So we're back checking in on the Baron. He's not doing great. Divis and Quain are discussing the prophecy, uh, and Divis seems panicked. Quain basically says that they've entered an age that's so dark that the prophets cannot see, they cannot be seen, and whatever's unfolding has not yet been written, which is kind of interesting. Shit. Yeah. Which is also dumb because they don't actually write. <laughs> seems like a bit of a... It's like metaphorical writing. Okay. Divis doesn't seem to think that Kate will abandon them, though. So he kind of finally comes down on one side of that question of, is she going to abandon them? Is she not? He's keeping the faith. Optimistic. He's an optimist. Meanwhile, we find Kate, and she's wandering around the woods again on the run. And she meets up with Queen Antidia on on a horse. And they both kind of seem cool with each other. They're like, oh. Dream like team. Little smiles. Yeah. And they're probably going to team up. Girl power. All that kind of stuff. Like, let's kill Alice Platius. Yeah. He should be afraid is what I have in my notes. Yeah. That's the Them end. Them bitches going to get him. And that's the end of the recap. MK, what did you think about this episode? Honestly, 
I feel like when I watched it, the most interesting part to me was all the stuff with Queen Antidia. Okay. And, like, hearing you go through it, I'm like, God, this episode was so filler. Mm. Like, I feel like this was all just, like, setting up, setting up, setting up, setting up, which is happens in season two in the beginning as well. Sure. But it doesn't feel like a lot happened. No, it really doesn't. It was a lot of, like, little meat cutes, like, like Lucius and Kate. I feel like that was a big one. Yeah. It, it was, like, basically, for me, like... It was all about Queen Antidia, like, escaping where she was sure. from. And, like, yeah. that's very, like, that was, like, the only really interesting thing that happened. That's kind of true. I Other than, I think it's also notable that Alice is planning to go to the underworld to talk to Islaine and yeah. see if he can get Kate through that I angle. I didn't even remember you, I didn't even remember that part, and that's, like, really important, but it's just, like, mentioned and then, like... Yeah, he doesn't do Never it or anything back. yet. Yeah. So I just even forgot about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not a lot happened, it seems. Is that how you felt, too? Kind of, yeah. yeah. Especially compared to last episode, I feel like it was pretty eventful, and this one's just moving us along, basically. Now let's talk about who our chosen one of the episode is. So I picked Queen Antidia. Mm. As I've mentioned, I feel like her part of the episode was the most interesting. She escaped her captors and she has a badass speech to go with it. Mm-hmm. I feel like she definitely used her smarts to get herself out of the situation and her manipulation skills. Sure. So for me, she was the chosen one this this episode. How about you? Uh, the chosen one for me was also Queen Antidia. It's kind of... there's A no-brainer. Yeah, it's a no-brainer. There isn't really anyone else to give it to. I mean, Kate had that vision. Which wasn't a good vision. It was her being stabbed. It wasn't. But I, I do wonder what will come of it. Uh, so yeah. Queen Antidia is definitely the chosen one of this episode, I I would argue. Next, we are going to choose our arsehole of the episode. For me, I chose Lucius. I chose this because I was just like so disappointed in how much he messed that up with Kate. Sure. And like he didn't give her what he needed to give her. And I was like, you had one job and you didn't do it well. And I was just like, you can do better. Like, I know you're what you're capable of. And you just weren't, you weren't playing your A game. Is that a phrase? You weren't giving your A game. You weren't on your A game. On your A game. There we go. We struggle with sports concepts. We're super sporty. Yeah. Um, We know a lot about sports. Yeah. That's what, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's what I meant is that we're really good um, with that. So yeah, that's from, that's mine. How about you? I think the a-holes of the episode were clearly the inbred family. They were just Mm. disgusting and awful to each other and to Queen Antidia. And I was just very happy to see them go. It was quite satisfying to see that house go up in flames. And then even after it was done burning, you could see 
like them all like they're burnt <laughs> this is kind of gory but like you know carcasses there was, their carcasses were like still at the table um and it was like i didn't feel bad you know because mm-hmm. they were just not nice to her and they were just not great people so they were happy nice. to see that chapter they just weren't nice they really weren't <laughs> they weren't nice <laughs> So it's now time to move on to our final segment, mm-hmm. and that is what enchanted us this week. Yeah. I'm going to have you start. Okay. Uh, I have two things that I wanted to mention for this week. Uh, watching the Olympics has been really fun. My daughter and I are watching the figure skating sport, the sport of figure skating. Oh, boy. We're very sporty. Um <laughs> How do you even say it? The figure we're skating. We're watching figure skating? We're watching figure skating at the Olympics. And she's really into skating right now, so she wants to at go to the, the Olympics. Olympics. Sorry. <laughs> she's really into skating right now, my four-year-old. So she has decided she now wants to compete in the Olympics. She has asked me why the professional skaters are better than her, which is a hard one to discuss. Mm-hmm. So we're working on that. And then my other joy this week is I'm reading A Court of Mist and Fury. Oh my gosh, did you just start it? I'm at least 100 pages in. Oh wow, mm-hmm. exciting. I think for some context, A Court of Thorns and Roses is the first book. Correct. And I read them like years ago. Mm-hmm. And they're like very popular. Like if you know fantasy... YA like you know mm-hmm. these books and I lent the first one to you mm-hmm. and you read it and now you're reading the second one correct yep That's I'm liking this one a lot better yeah which um, I told you you would yeah I'll just say um I'm really enjoying how the story's evolving yeah. how Fair's character is changing Feyre. um hmm? Feyre. That's how you say it I think so oh I thought it was fair I think it's Feyre but you do you girl Feyre? Yeah. Okay. I really like how... Feyre. I really like how Feyre's character is evolving, and it's just the storyline is a lot more interesting to me so far. Yeah, for sure. What about you? It's hard to choose. I feel like I watch so much. But I think something that I watched recently that I've been wanting to watch for a really long time is a zombie movie Mm -hmm. called Train to Busan. Okay. And have you heard of it? No. Okay, so it's like a Korean movie. Mm-hmm. And the zombies in it are really scary because they can move pretty fast. Like, you know. Mm. And they're very, like, jerky. Like, they, like... Okay. I don't even... I'm, like, showing her physically. I don't know how to explain it. But, like, it was scary, but it was mostly suspenseful. Okay. And it was... It's super, super good. And the main guy in it... I don't know his name off the top of my head, but he was also in Squid Game. And he was like the guy who in when he's in the train station who like comes up and asks him if he wanna play if he wants to play a game. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he's like apparently like really famous, you know, South Korean actor. Sure. But basically I've been wanting to watch that movie for a long time and I keep showing the trailer to my roommates and they keep being like, No. 
So I was isolated for a bit last week after I got back from a trip. And so I was like, okay, I'm just like watch this alone because I have to be in my room alone. So I may as well take advantage. And it was super good and I would definitely recommend it. And I would say if you're scared, like if you're like not a horror movie person, it's really more suspense than horror. And I feel like there's like one really scary scene and then like you can handle it from there. So it's not very gory. It's kind of gory, but I am not a huge gore person and I wasn't like, ugh, this is so over the top. Like it wasn't insanely gory. Okay. Yep, that's what what has enchanted me this week. Okay. And that wraps up this episode of Sisters Usaga. Thanks for listening. And remember, always put moon trees in your enemies' weasels too. See you next time. Bye. Bye.